Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 168. A very special episode of Songs and Stories, which sounds like an ABC after-school special, but it really is kind of a special episode. Today, we're going to be talking with Greg Kinn, who has his first record out in over 20 years. And I got to talk with him recently about the record and songwriting, what he's been up to, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But a uh, little recap on me like we always do. First of all, my new record, Hey Karma, eight months later, is done, done, done. It's up on my website. It's making its way out into iTunes. Locally, K-Pig Radio has picked up the sarcastic, funny, angry, goofy title track, which is very exciting to have your music played on K-Pig. And I've been sending it out to the usual radio culprits and podcasters and some places to possibly get reviews. So it'll be up on iTunes in a couple of weeks, and you can find it on my site now at michaelgaither.com. And we're doing a bunch of release shows. The first one's going to be at Jansen Music in Aptos, California on Saturday, May 13th. A nice, I figured, what better place to play music than in a music store? So it's going to be me, Steve Critcher, and Jeff Baker, and Glenn McPherson doing the new record and a bunch of their stuff as well. So check out the website. There's shows all summer long. It's going to be a lot of fun. Meanwhile, back on the podcast, which I haven't done one of these in I think about a month and a half because I was busy finishing this new record. Um, this is going to be great. I've been a fan of Greg Ken for years, and it, I was thinking I was talking to him as I kind of started this whole music endeavor late. And when I first started playing guitar is when the Mutiny album came out about 22 years ago. And it was kind of an acoustic departure. It was a, a rock and roll record, but kind of more acoustic. You know, it wasn't a Greg Kinn band kind of record. And that came out right when I started playing guitar, and it really influenced me a lot. I was learning how songs are put together and how to play songs and chord structures. And then he did an album called Horror Show, which is also kind of acoustic-y. And those were just really great records in addition to this massive catalog he had with albums like Conspiracy and Next of Kin and Citizen Kin and Best of Kin and True Confessions. Do you see a theme here? <laughs> great album titles and just just kick-ass great Bay Area rock and roll. Of course, his two biggest hits were The Breakup Song and Jeopardy, but he's been pumping out great rock and roll tunes for more than a couple of decades. The new record is called Rekindled, and it's it's no slouch. It sounds like classic Greg Kinn um, with a little modern polish. His son Rye plays on it. He plays lead guitar and screams all over the record. It's great. And the record was produced by Robert Berry in Campbell, California. Robert Berry uh, is one of these jack-of-all-trades. He plays anything with strings. He plays keyboards, piano. He's a great singer, writer, producer, really the guy you want to have in your corner. And he's one of these guys who is as humble as he is talented. He's just a, a great, just fierce, <laughs> talented guy to have at your side. He kind of helmed this record with Greg, this new one, Rekindled. 
So we talked about that. And you're going to hear Greg Kinn talk about songwriting, which you don't really get a chance to do very often, I don't think. He writes every day. And um, he writes, you know, prose in the morning, songs in the afternoon. Very busy, very creative, already planning the next record. And for you people who aren't in the Bay Area, this 20-year gap in recording is be- in Greg Kinn is because 20 or so odd years ago, he became the morning disc jockey on KFOX Radio, which is a classic rock station in San Jose, California. He was the morning guy telling great stories and, and playing a lot of great music and kind of kept him from touring and really playing out a lot. So now he's getting back into it. He's got some great stories to tell. We're going to kick it off with a really fun song that he actually talks about in the interview. Let's hear a track off the new album, Rekindled, which you can find at gregkin.com, iTunes, all the usual places. Let's hear... Big Pink Flamingos, a track that just jumps off the record. And I got to warn you, if you're driving in your car and this song comes on, you're probably going to get a speeding ticket. It's just that kind of fun song. And most of the record has this just fun Bay Area rock and roll intensity. So here's Greg Kin, Big Pink Flamingos off the new Rekindled album. And then we'll talk to him about songwriting and what we can expect from the next Greg Kin record, maybe in a year or so. Here we go. knew a girl well she was fine and dandy all she wore was pink she was just like candy she had a strange fascination when she went over the windows everywhere you looked a big pink flamingo Now go, that go. Hey, yeah. 
So coming south, he hit just. Well, it was looky lose. Looky lose right? going the other way. People who'd never seen a Caltrain's truck. Yeah, before. that's right. Yeah. Right I must admit they were fascinating. Yeah, it's a great color of orange. Yes. <laughs> I think All right. Cool. So nice to meet you. Um, congrats on the new record. Well, thank you so much. You know, I had a lot of fun making that album. Uh, it completely, you know, it was organic from top to bottom. We right. just started uh, hanging out in the studio. We had a couple of, you know, song ideas and one thing led to another. And for the first time I was writing with my son, Rye, and Robert Barry. Normally I'd written all the, all the hits and stuff with, uh, with Steve Wright, mm -hmm. the late Steve Wright. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we lost Steve this year and that was, that was brutal. But, uh, the, the, the band marches on and I'm now writing with uh, my son Rye and Robert Barry, and it's really, uh, it, you know, it really it sounds like Greg Kinn, but it's a little more modern sounding. It's a, uh, also we we talked about this. This is a very simple album. You talk about your three chord rock. Mm -hmm. We tried to pare it down to the most simple arrangements, and I think part of it was Rye, my son. Rye was just it. it he was just. Uh, his mind was just in the right place. Right. You know, we talked about Pink Flamingos, which is one mm -hmm. of my favorite right. cuts on the new album. Hooky as hell. <laughs> I just, it just sticks it's in It's so head. much fun to sing. It is. Uh, you can't, it's one of those songs where you hear it, you can't help but not start yeah, singing Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it stays with you. Yeah. It's a good shower song. It'll pop up in your, you know, when you're <laughs> washing your hair Pink, tomorrow. Pink Flamingo. Yeah, it comes up everywhere. Um... We had talked about, and Rye and I, you know, were talking about in the studio one day, and I said, Rye, you know, it'd be really cool if we could write a song like Oh Well by Fleetwood Mac. You know, it was, mm -hmm. a, it was, ding, 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 mm -hmm. and then it would stop, and then it'd be, you know, vocals. Yeah. And, and then he goes, yeah, kind of like Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. It was the same kind of, I said, well, could You're we right. come yeah. up with something like that? The next day, he comes in with the riff for Pink Flamingos. And it was perfect. Yeah. And I just started singing Big Pink Flamingos. It was spontaneous. And we wrote the song in 15 minutes. And nice. that's the way the good ones get written. Well, you can, when a song comes that quickly, you don't have to overthink it or, or, no. or, or beat on it for six months. Uh, my, as, a, as a career songwriter, and I've written thousands of songs, you look back. The ones that write themselves, the ones that just just seem to write themselves, mm -hmm. are the are the good ones. You know, all through my career, Jeopardy was, I was like that. Ask, which one? Which what's some of those going? Jeopardy back? was like that. Steve came over to my house. He had a new Casio. This is back in what eighty one. Yeah. He had a Casio with a little drum machine. Right. It was like about this big. It was made out of plastic, and he had just gotten it. And he whipped up, and he came, and just check this out, man. And I started singing Our Love's in Jeopardy. I don't know where it came from. And we threw, uh, we threw that thing about 15 minutes, maybe. Wow. And that's the way the great ones mm -hmm. get ri written. Uh, Breakup Song was, was just like that. Too, yeah. yeah, but there were other songs that I spent months on that didn't even make the cut. Hmm. So, you know, it's something that I've learned over the years that you don't try too hard the harder you try the harder it is mm -hmm. yeah 
And, and when you're dealing with the creative muscle, because it's all the same in all of us, whether you're writing a song, a novel, a short story. But you've done all that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, uh, or just talking on the radio. You're telling a Doing story. Doing a cod piece like this. It's a cod piece. <laughs> How did I get cod piece out of a uh, podcast. podcast? I don't know, but it might go into a song at some point. I don't know. <laughs> you know I what? don't know. The day I thought it was a cod piece. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it looks better learned, on the radio anyway. I learned the, good, the, the, the most valuable lesson was to not try so hard. To let the song come out and be what it wants to right. be. And, you know, as far as songwriting, songwriting is a craft. Mm-hmm. You know, writing novels is a craft. Right. It's just like playing the guitar. You can learn to play the guitar. You can learn to write songs. You can learn to write novels. It's all doable stuff. The only thing that would hold you back is that, you know, that little that germ of self-doubt. Can I do this? Can I do this? You know, I never asked myself. When I started writing novels in 96, the first one was Horror Show. Uh-huh. And I said, do I? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. And I asked myself, I don't care. I'm just going to write it anyway. And when we got down to the end, it was like I read back. I, I read the thing and I said, you know, this is a really good story. Yeah. And it, it just organically grew. And... I didn't push it too hard. I didn't try to make it be what it wanted. It didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. So, really, my my number one piece of advice to all songwriters is: don't try so hard. Let the let the thing just write itself. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it sucks, you still have to write it. Yeah. See, that's key. When I started writing novels, I knew they sucked. <laughs> the first two or three I wrote were right. horrible. But I realized you have to keep doing it, even if it sucks. So you're eventually it's going to not suck. Maybe a couple of years later, you you, you figure it out. Right. And so even if the song sucks, I remember the first song I ever wrote was what was it about? Song for a pretty girl. Okay. And it was about my girlfriend at the time, uh-huh. and it was the dumbest thing. It was it, it was supposed to be like a. Like something that would have been on freewheeling because I was into Bob Dylan in mm-hmm. those early days, and it was like, "Oh, pretty girl, <laughs> oh, pretty girl." I don't remember the good. That was the song, and I started it. You know, I I I got to the end. And I said, you know, I just wrote this song. I wasn't trying to write it. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, I, I think that's part of keeping it fresh and keeping it alive and keeping that spark going and something somebody else told me i think it was darden smith when i was first doing this this cod piece i was doing cod piece and i was i was writing songs and he said you know you have to finish them he goes you could don't just start and stop even if they suck you've got to finish them because yes. it gets you on to the next thing and that's right there was a neil young quote where he said as soon as he has a song done he goes and records it to get it out of his head and move on and of course he has a home studio yeah you know and it makes a lot of sense it's kind of like you're talking about you know even the bad songs, like if you're building furniture, your first table is probably not going to be very good. Yep. But you'll keep doing it, and they'll get That's better. That's right. Yeah. And you know, it it's a matter of enjoying what you're doing. You right. know, it, you you're doing this because you love it. You're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it for career or whatever. I mean, at this point in my career, let's face it, 
I've been around the block a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I love it. I made this album because I really wanted to make the right. album. Right. You know, I, I'm okay. You know, yeah. I, it's my my career has been all of my careers have done well, but you know, I miss you on K Fox by the way too. That was hey, so. I, you know what? In a weird way, I really miss being on K Fox. I don't miss getting up for a. I was going to say that the, probably not the hours, but the. It, well, another another two or three years of sleeping until ten should catch me up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I exactly. I got up at at. You need the balance for yeah, yeah. 18 years, and believe me, that's chronic sleep deprivation. You right. never get it back. No, but you know what? Now, since this, what three years since K Fox, yeah, right? And I'm starting to you know really catch up on sleep, and I do a ton of writing. You know, I get up in the morning, I fire up the computer, and I'm writing till lunch, and then you know, then I'll whip out the guitar, work on some songs in the afternoon. I was going to ask, sorry, are you writing daily now and coming yeah. up with new... Good. Yeah, I write, uh, I, I usually write um, prose in the morning. Mm-hmm. It feels good. And then I have a little lunch, and then in the afternoon I work on songs. Nice. So uh, a lot of the thing, I can go, we have a little, um, we work at Soundtech Studios in mm-hmm. Campbell, yeah, Robert's which is place. Robert's, Robert's, Robert Berry's place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just demo. We get an idea, even if it's just a chorus. Mm-hmm. I just demo it right on the spot. So if I ever want to go back and go, geez, you know, I, I want to work on that song we had last Thursday. Right. I'll go and I'll find the CD and I'll play it. And, you know, a lot of times you think... you re- Here's another thing. If I don't write something down, it's gone. Oh, I know. And yeah. And... I gotta gotta get into this thing of we're writing down everything, because I remember coming up with the what I thought was the greatest idea for a song in the world two nights ago, and I didn't write it down. And the next morning, I'm like, oh my god, it was like it was the next Jeopardy, and I blew it. I'll do, I'll wake up with an idea in middle of the night. Yeah, and sometimes I'll go, I don't write this. This this sounds like incredibly lazy I'll wake up with this great little something something and I'll think I should reach over and turn on the light and write this down I'm really comfortable how many times have Uh, I not done that I know it takes like 30 seconds in the morning you have a little scrawl and you're like oh yeah yeah, I can work on it and if you don't it just goes away and a lot of times it flies away your your 2am songs are not as great as you thought they were the next day but you know to me uh we work that creative muscle in in any different ways, and mm-hmm. I, I love writing songs. I, I I'm really blessed that I've had this great career. I've been on the radio. I've been a rock star, a songwriter, a novelist, a novelist. Oh, here's a cool thing. Here's something that I wanted to say. Of all the rock stars you know, I'm the only one that has all of his catalog back. I've bought it all back over the years, wow. everything, all the masters, all the publishing, all the songwriting, everything. I bought it all back, it took me 20 years, mm-hmm. and now I own my entire catalog and the master recordings. So if I get a, I just got a, uh, uh, a request to use it in a movie, I get them maybe once or twice a year, mm-hmm. and all I have to do is say, yeah. yeah. It went, well, who has the publishing? Uh, I do. Well, who has uh, who has the master recording? I do. I got them all. I just one stop shopping. And really, 
I'm so glad because it's my legacy. Sure. I'm going to be leaving this all to my grandkids. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that I'm proud of it. You know, they're, my songs are like my little, my little babies and right. I want them to all grow up and, and go to college and get and be married. taken care of and not be getting into the wrong it, hands. Exactly. And, you know, and it's what, 18, horrible. 18 records? Yeah. I think so. And no. imagine how bad, uh, Paul McCartney felt when, uh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson swooped in and bought the catalog right. on a Friday when he needed to get to the, his money on Monday. Mm -hmm. And I, I know what that's like. Yeah. And I had to pay through the nose for some of it back. But you know what? It was all worth it. And there's a certain security when you have all your stuff. And, you know, that's your legacy. Sure. I, I reissue the, the CDs now and uh, I, I can do anything I want. So... It, it, it's I'm, and I'm the only guy. Everybody sold out because they needed money. Back in the '80s and '90s, mm -hmm. everybody that I know, and I know a lot of great songwriters, sure. they all sold out because they needed money. And somehow I got through all that tough times, and now, uh, now I own it all, and it's it, it's it's refreshing. Sure, it's something I was trying to explain to my grandkids the other day, but I don't think they got the uh, got the message. How old are your grandkids? Four and seven. A little ways to go. Oh, a little yeah. ways to go. But you know what? They're already strumming the guitar. Nice. Uh, imagine the Greg Kinn band in, say, enough 15 years from now with Rye and a third generation of my grandkids, right. three generations of Kinn in the same band. Wouldn't that be cool? The Kinn family band. How yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I love... This is part of... You know, I, I, I seem happy and I love my life because I love playing with my son. You know, I love my grandkids. I love my having my catalog. I love all the things that I do. So I'm really, I'm very blessed that I've had a great career. Yeah. And you're still really, you're writing every day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still alive. Yeah, exactly. Which is, There's that too. That's key. Yeah. Because if you're not alive, Little you're details. not going to get anything done. Right. And, you know, geez, we just lost Steve Wright. Eh, you know, it's never easy, man. And uh, oh. of the original five guys that, recorded the breakup song, only two remained standing, me and Larry Lynch. And Larry was the drummer who always, he didn't take drugs, he didn't smoke, he drank milk, and, mm. and he's still alive. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was snorting blow, smoking weed, drinking Jack Daniels, the, the whole nine yards, partying like a big dog. Right. And yet, and people would have said, oh, he'd be the first, go, first to go. But... I, I didn't, you know. I, I'm still here, man. I'm stir I've, I've survived through thick and thin. You survived rock and roll, and you're still making new songs. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm really proud of that. I, yeah. I, I like it in, 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 the, in the great pantheon of uh, rock and roll. Uh, you know, uh, somebody had said this about me way early in my career, and I don't remember. might have been Lester Bangs. I don't mm -hmm. remember. But he said... The quote was, the road to rock and roll heaven is paved by the bleached skulls of guys like Greg Kidd. And I thought, wow, that really is. It is the bleached skulls of guys like me. And uh, That's an epitaph. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. beautiful, beautiful phrase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to use that in a book sometime. Right, right, right. 
Um, I wanted to mention the new record too. Um, Laurie, Laurie was talking about the players on it. Um, it's kind of like a Greg Kinn drummer's greatest hits. Didn't everybody yeah, vote on this? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, all the the, Looks, the yeah. ones that are still the ones alive. that are still with us. Yeah. Uh, Larry Lynch, uh, yeah. who was the original drummer in the Greg Kinn band, he played right. some great stuff. I think he was on Brain Police and a couple of the other. Tr- and it was really a kick to have uh, Larry show up in the studio and be working with him oh, again after all these years. Wonderful, still a wonderful drummer, a great drummer. Real personality, mm. and uh, he always does a great job. And we have uh, uh, Dave Lauser, who's our now full-time drummer, from on loan from Sammy Hagar's mm-hmm. band, and he is just like Keith Moon. I mean, he's he's Mr. so energy. energy. We've seen the well, we, besides seeing you play, we've been going to Robert's December People shows the last couple of years. Great, you see him there. He's so freaking entertaining to watch. Yeah. You know, you could just watch him for the show. Yeah. It's, that, it's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I got my son on lead guitar, which is wonderful. Right. And then I've got Robert, who really, we're like brothers from, a, from different mothers yeah. because we're, we're so simpatico. And we write songs. It, it's, it's really wonderful. I love working with Robert. And I really kind of lucked out that this is the band now. Yeah. And now I can take this band with this new record and go on the road and really make some headway. And I can't wait. You've got a band of ringers again. Oh, man. You know, and I think, I mean, I think I think you, you could do worse than have Robert at, at the helm producing, but I don't know how you could. No. <laughs> the he's guy really good. He's a good producer. He's and, a good guy. You know, he does he, everything. And, he does yeah. everything. Plays every instrument in the band. And a voice. And a great voice. And he sings great harmonies. Yeah. And, Comes up with some great lyrics. Uh, you know, the guy is a multi-talented guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's wonderful working in the in the studio again. Because now it's, it, it, you know, like the pressure's gone. We're just, like, having right. fun. And it's, like I said before, it's special. Yeah. Well, like I say, if you have this, this, this multi-decade career, you've had these successes, you've got your catalog back, you're still you're still creative and you've got a place to do it. Yeah, a, a it's unbelievable, isn't yeah. it? How bad is that? I you know I, I I'm lucked out and I, that's why I say I'm a lucky dude, man. I, I I really have had a great and wonderful career. I love my fans. You know, we go out. We just were in Chicago last weekend. Right, right. It was like they rolled out the red carpet. I hadn't seen these people in 20 years from when we used to play at Chicago Fest and. And uh, the Park West and the Rosemont Horizon and all these places. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And a lot of these people, hey, uh, I saw you back in, you know, 78 or I saw you back in uh, 81. And everybody's got a story to tell. Right. I mean, it was great to see them all again. That connection. So my wife, I was going to mention, she, you know, when we first got together, we were talking about your music. And she said, we go see him like every week at the Catalyst. She was like, every time you play, yep. that was... And that's part of that Santa Cruz connection. It was a wonderful thing, and I, I yeah. always had a love affair with Santa Cruz, and boy, the catalyst. If those walls could speak, <laughs> we're all going to hell for right, what I we know. did there. I was there one night, a friend of mine was doing lighting for Los Lobos, and so we were up in the sound, the lighting booth, and I thought, if these walls could, I probably wouldn't want to hear what these walls had to no, say. No, I've <laughs> been in that lighting booth myself. You know, and it's... <laughs> We have a great legacy. You look at, when I look back on the Greg Kinn band, we're kind of a heritage band. You know, we're you, 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 in the Bay Area. We have like the Doobie Brothers and yeah, and yeah. Uh, 
uh, the Grateful Dead and bands that have been around since the beginning of time. And it, there's like a heritage. Mm-hmm. If you're a Bay Area band, you know, you're part of the scene. One thing about being a Bay Area band was we didn't have the cutthroat competition that the LA bands had or the, uh, the New York bands. Everybody was friends. Uh-huh. You know, like I'd open for Huey Lewis, he'd open for me. You know, Steve, uh, uh, whatever, whatever we were playing, we'd always, it was comfy. I'd get a call from, uh, from Bill Graham. Hey, can you open for the Grateful Dead at Spartan Stadium on Saturday night? Sure, what time do you want me to be there, man? And there was a certain camaraderie. It was a, it was a community, groups. not a competition. Yes, and I think that's why the Bay Area has, to this day, can continue to produce great bands. Probably. On a kind of a local, the, the, like the Santa Cruz songwriter community is kind of like, it. there's no competition. They're oh, just, yeah. They're just there for everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're, like mutual, of, we're like mutual fans, like what they do, and yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was uh, when I was a young man, it, it was only Bob Dylan, it was, and mm-hmm. I, I, I remember buying Freewheeling, mm-hmm. and that's what that was it. I got a harmonica. I started writing songs the next day. Right. They were terrible songs. Hey, pretty but, girl. Hey, pretty girl. But you know what? I that was they the got beginning. you going though. Yeah. You know, and then it wasn't very long after that that I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that completely that blew, blew my everything. mind. Everybody in my generation points to the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. That kind of dates me, but you know, really, the impact of of that first Ed Sullivan thing changed my life, and mm-hmm. to this day, I'm still chasing that dream. Yeah, that's why you're still writing and producing and doing music. So. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'm, yeah, I'm 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 blessed. Yeah. Well, congrats on the New York. I got to ask one more question. Now that it's been 20 years since Horror Show, now you've got. This new record, um, new songs. When so you're going to be touring with this great band of ringers, great yep. kin band. Um, do you thinking about the next record yet? Yeah, I already am. Matter of fact, I'm working on a couple of songs right now. And uh, the the uh, the the idea was, well, let's just make this record and see how it goes, sure. and see if you know anybody wants to buy it or anything. Well, just in the past week it's already kind of proven itself and mm-hmm. now and the band is all pumped up and they want more new material so we've already decided we're going to go back in uh, as soon as this tour is over and get back into it nice yeah yeah man and i say it's it's so much fun to go in a studio nowadays you know when i first started eight track was the was mm-hmm. I, I remember our first album was we recorded on 16 track the two inch Ampex mm-hmm. tape, you know, the big reels. The big reels, yeah. And uh, when we do, they would do, uh, they would do an edit with the, on, the, on the actual master. They would cut it. With the razor blade. Yeah, with a razor blade. It was unbelievable. The technology has really changed. Yeah, well now, I mean, if you, like digital that the guy was recording with you, has this, it's a, it's a tape effect. and actually brings up a, a graphic of a tape rolling wow. to, to make it sound like it's analog. It, Unbelievable. See, now they can ape analog. What's next? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Good stuff. Well, congrats on the record. Well, thank Um, you very much. I I love the record, and uh, everybody should buy two copies, one for me, one for my ex-wives. Okay. And uh, (laughs) One for the car, one for home. Yeah, one for home, and uh, you're going to love it. I I guarantee you. It sounds like Greg Kinn, and it is Greg Kinn. It is. Thank you, Greg Kinn. Thank you. 
That was fun. Told you. Greg Kin talking about rekindled the new Greg Kin band record, the first one in over 20 years. It's a fun record. Again, just great Bay Area rock and roll, fun songs, tight songwriting, songs that write themselves. And it was really great to have a chance to sit and talk with Greg just about songwriting and his process. I learned so much doing these and it's a lot of fun. And hopefully you have a lot of fun listening to these as well. I wanted to mention this interview actually took place at K-Pig Radio here locally. Greg was down to talk with Lori Roberts, the, the daytime DJ, and they go back a couple of decades at K-Fox Radio. So she had, Lori had Greg down to talk to her on the air, and then we, we were able to commandeer a conference room to talk. So Lori, thanks for that. Uh, most of all, thank you for listening to this podcast, Songs and Stories. Pick up Rekindled, and if you're on my website, michaelgeithry.com, I have links to to Greg and his music and Robert Berry. Robert Berry was actually on this podcast about a year and a half ago, so there's links to those guys. I'll put them all in a little blog post for this episode 168. And while you're looking around, again, I've got release parties coming out for the new record, Hey Karma. It's going to be a really fun summer. So whether you cut this on Grateful Dread Radio or Casey Cafe Radio or my site or Twitter or Facebook or somewhere else on the interwebs, thanks for listening to these artists. Please support them. And like Greg said, buy at least two copies of the new record. Coming up next on Songs and Stories is a return visit with Austin singer, songwriter, producer Gurf Morlicks, who's been on the show a couple of times. He recently played a house concert. In fact, I'm pointing to the patio he played in outside my window. It was a good afternoon. Uh, Gurf played a house concert here locally, and uh, we got to talk shop a little bit that night. Talked about his new record, The Soul and the Heel. Um, just a fantastic artist. Always appreciate a chance to have an audience with Gurf Morlicks. He'll be up here in a few weeks. So again, thank you for listening for Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. Take care.